It's Glitch on the Shilta. It's Nick here, and you're listening to Fulnoch Radio on CFUV 101.9 FM. Within the hour, you will hear percentage voices, songs, stories, and art. The Native Students' Union is for and run by Indigenous students. Our space includes a lounge, computers, printing, a phone, and lunchroom. Stop by the UVic Student Union Building, room B023, from 9am to 9pm, Monday to Saturday, or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the handle UVicNSU, or our website, uvicnsu.ca, to stay up to date on upcoming social or cultural events. So it's Gwechel Hela. It is Nick here with a special two-hour episode of Who Will Know Radio. It is uh, my final show here for the summer. It's been a great summer. I was very excited and honored to come up with all this Indigenous content for you guys. Today's episode, I have Troy Sebastian with me. He'll be in studio live doing an interview with me. And then later on, within these this two hours, I will have Bianca Elliott, Tiffany Joseph, and Sarah Jim in to talk about their work they do with Sea Change with plant restoration. And then I'll have Bianca and Tiffany back again to talk about the work they do with Project Reclaim, which is, um, yeah, you'll hear when I get close to it. So yeah, I'm pretty excited for these next two hours. Here live, we have Troy Sebastian. Uh, Troy hosted a show here at CFUV called Native Waves Radio. And he also, did you do something with Janet Rogers too? It was her show. Oh, well, it well, was her show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that was a bit loud. Okay. But yeah, so it's pretty cool. Can you maybe introduce yourself, say where are you from, what you do? First of all, um, Nick, I want to say it's an honor and a, and a privilege to be on your radio show here on CFUV. I see on the wall, it says, what makes great radio at CFUV? I'm not sure if it says Nick Henry up there, <laughs> but it darn well ought to, because I think you've written your name all over. Great radio here at CFUV this summer. Um, and uh, my handle went on the show was DJ Skookum. Oh, right. And so for some folks out there, um, they'd be thinking, who is this Troy <laughs> Sebastian fellow? And uh, DJ Skookum was the handle. Uh, Native Ways Radio was on this program, on this channel, for I think about 12 years. 12 years. 12 years oh. running straight. You know, like oh. it was, you know, well, and there was curves and there was you know, ups and downs and whatnot. But uh, yeah, Janet started it. And then uh, after I did a hike up at Pacal's one day, and I came back to the station, or came back to the campus to grab a coffee, uh, ran into her, and uh, we knew each other. I was talking, how you doing? She said, do you ever want to do radio? Uh, I said, sure. When do you want to do that? She said, in about five minutes. I said, let's go. <laughs> and so that's what we did. And uh, that's what got me here. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to make it for your final show. And it's an extra skookum size two-hour show. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you're getting double pay for that, I believe. <laughs> but we're going to check with the uh, management here. And, well, your agent and I were talking earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was hoping I'd catch a percentage <laughs> of that. So, anyhow, how are you, man? I've been great. I'm a bit wheezy because of the smoke. Yeah, I do have a bit of asthma, but I'm I'm fine. I'll get through the two hours. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. Gross out there. I think everyone's feeling that. Mm-hmm. I feel like for all. I mean, I have asthma too, and <clears throat> I'm not feeling super super bad today. But I can I can I can 
I can definitely feel yeah. something. Yeah. And uh, I was in the interior earlier this summer. Right. Yeah. And uh, we left just as it, the smoke was getting like really brutal. And so now that it's here, um, you know, it's obviously really scary. I think for I mean the province, yeah. this is a uh, smoke signal from the earth. Uh, paging, uh, you know, people of the earth, leaders of the earth, the, the, the colonialists, the Horgans, the Trudeaus. I mean, what are you doing to the earth? This is what's happening. Yeah. And it's going to be smoky. This is what it's going to be like, you know, forever mm-hmm. unless yeah. things change, right? So need to burn down some more of those forests in the fall and the winter time here because there's just too many trees, you know, and yeah. uh, you, the, the, the underbrushes need to get burned. Anyhow, we're meandering yeah. off into some... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And some forest management practices. Yeah. I, mean, I like the hour three today. We'll get to that. So, <laughs> Okay, cool. And then so you are a writer, right? I am a writer. Yeah. Yeah. And what else do you do? I'm a writer. Uh, let's see here. What uh, What else do I do? Uh, well, I used to be, and I think I will in the future again. It's great to be back here. I was on the radio here for some time. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I was involved in a lot of political stuff, you know, in my, uh, was it Young Spirit we just played? Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And when, <laughs> when I was a Young Spirit there, I was, I was, well, I was involved with politics in this building for yeah. quite a long time. And then other places I, you know, I worked for my community, Tanaka yeah. Nation Council. I've worked for Tanaka Nation, uh, for 16 years now, awesome. something like that. So, yeah. And I, I write fiction and poetry and lies damn lies and statistics yeah and that's what i heard a little bit about too was that who you told were, you um it's a secret okay <laughs> <laughs> that you ran for as a politician in your community for um, mm, for uh, fun yeah remember what yeah i ran for, i ran i ran for uh I, well, I ran a couple of provincial elections yeah right yeah it was a political yeah um, um for mla a couple of times right mla that's what it was and uh yeah and you know i that was when i mm-hmm. identified and well attempted to you know probably reconcile myself within a canadian identity yeah. and which i don't any longer and i have no interest in anymore but it was a hell of a good time um oh, both cool. times yeah was last time a little bit more a little bit less but yeah i did do, that was like almost 10 years ago now oh cool yeah yeah, yeah. it's awesome to see like um our indigenous peoples taking on that role in the like political world like mm. i know we have out in Hussainich, we have adam olson um he's running or he's part of the green party out there yeah and then there's a few others i kind of forgot their names but yeah it's really cool seeing indigenous people getting more involved like that and yeah getting out there like that for sure yeah and then um so yeah you are a writer uh, i just kind of want to ask like how do you get inspiration or like how do you start a story or come up with what you want to write about or does it just flow out or come well i am full of it (laughs) and i have a lot of uh my dander gets up pretty easily um which is an old old way of saying that uh you know i i am an intense person um and so i need somewhere to put that energy and uh as i've gotten older it's become easier in some ways um but inspiration really isn't uh a question hardly ever it's it's there's just so many things to write about some part sometime in my you know when i was a kid uh to now i never stopped being a kid you know in terms Mm -hmm. of my imagination or um 
you know, where I get inspiration from or what have you. So, yeah, I I have, you know, my problem is having too many ideas and just focusing on one and, and kind of, you know, seeing it through and, and completing it and, uh, and not, you know, overdoing it kind of thing. But, yeah, yeah so... Um, really the crucible for me though was I was in law school here at UVic. Oh, cool. And I found it so offensively racist and, and, uh, violent and awful. That's a UVic law school here. Uh, I found myself writing in class just to save my mind because I felt like I was mm-hmm. going crazy. And then I had a dream one night that, uh, I won't get into a whole lot of details about it, but <laughs> basically, uh, that I had, I had a dream and the next yeah. morning, I wrote that dream down. By the end of writing that dream down, I had left law school and said, "I'm, you know, I just, I'm like, I'm a writer, and this is what yeah. I'm doing." And and really, things have, you know, in a deep sense, have been really easy for me since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think I just start doing that. I get some like crazy dreams, and I just I don't write them down. But yeah, like there's a lot of like crazy horror movie dreams. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, it's mm. um, it's very like feels very real right but um but yeah maybe i should start writing well i mean people wonder how how do you how do you start writing or i'm not sure what to do when i get there (laughs) or whatever and i ask people do you dream and they go well yeah i guess i do and i'm like do you ever write it down well no and i say well you have all this material that's coming to you Mm -hmm. you know it's coming from your subconscious it's coming from your spirit yeah it's coming from you know the nupikas inside and without you you know, and, and outside of you. And this is these are messages, these are, you know, things that are coming to you. You know, you don't have to write it down and it has to be something special. Mm-hmm. But just even the process of of, you know, it's in your mind, yeah. you're feeling it, you know, if you're using your a pencil or a pen to write it down, or you're telling someone a story, you're telling it. Yeah. Or you're writing it down like a keyboard, you're you are connecting with that self and you are connecting with the with a part of you that is beyond consciousness in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, there are techniques to actually hone that skill. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a pretty powerful thing. We, I have like dream logs from long, t- like <laughs> years ago. Some of them I still yeah. think about, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was a, that's, that's bizarre. Uh, you know, like embarrassing dreams, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I might save that for like a memoir and like, <laughs> you know, many years from now. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, yeah, so it's, that's just a, I mean, it's a source of inspiration and you have it right there and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's just basically like, it's almost like muscle memory, you know, you're just kind of learning how to, how to do that. So, yeah, Yeah, it's pretty cool how stuff like that can kind of come to you because, um, in my math class I did a few months back for May, June, um, we had a, a girl in there and she was a, went to school to become a filmmaker and then she also like talked stories like. She's asking me questions on like how I can help get indigenous stories out there, and then um, like movie wise or like I don't know anything like that on film or audio. Right. And then yeah, it was crazy that one day, like the day after or something, I went for a walk, just an evening walk, and then I kind of had a like a something. I saw something, and then it kind of made me think of like, oh, that'd be like a cool movie or story but i just don't know how to how it would start out right yeah yeah that's um something that i kind of struggle with is like when when i come to writing essays or anything for school that's one of the main things i struggle with is figuring out how to get the story started yeah or like how to begin the story like how to bring these characters in right like i have um i'll come up with ideas but that's like good for like the middle of it or right 
a specific scene or something or well i studied with richard wagamese mm-hmm. um before he passed away yeah. and uh he's a huge continues to be a huge influence in my life mm-hmm. um and in fact we interviewed him for the show it was one of yeah. the last interviews he ever did and uh he told me that um he do you know there's a there's a painter norval morriso who's you know anishinaabe amazing you know, one of the greatest indigenous artists, you know, in the last hundred years. And uh, he, you know, he was asking Norval, how do you, you know, how do you deal with inspiration? And he said he, he had, when he went into his studio, because he's a painter, mm-hmm. he had like, you know, he'd take his jacket off, put it on the hook. And, uh, and then right beside that, he had like a, kind of like a visualized hook. And he, he, he basically imagined taking his ego off of, out of his head and hanging it there. And then letting the work mm-hmm. take him. And more or less, I mean, that's not the, you know, Richard would tell it, and it was his story. So yeah. I'm not going to get into it um, to all the degrees that he told me. But yeah. basically, it's about removing oneself from it and, and allowing allowing that spirit to come through you. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we have all these doubts and all these ideas. Oh, I can't, I can't, I shouldn't, I don't know how, or what have you. You need to find a way to let that, let the you know, let the river flow out of you, basically, because it's all there. We do it in so many other ways, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and we're, you know, we were taught in this society in ways that aren't necessarily healthy otherwise, but in the way of actually connecting with with creator and being a creator, that is something that actually uh, we have to unlearn as much as we need to learn, you know, and children don't need to learn anything on that, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're, they're the most, you know, inspiring and 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 our elders as well. I mean, at both ends of life, there's there's you know incredible forces of creation, and so in the middle here, we kind of get a little bit mixed up. So for myself, when I'm writing, uh, when I really am like, okay, I need to like actually push myself, or not push myself, but I I, I want to make this session like I'm I'm gonna be you know mm-hmm. I make sure I'm standing up first yeah. of all, and that's something that other writers have historically have been known to do, like someone like Hemingway. You know, he would, he'd be, see, he also said, write drunk and edit sober. <laughs> I don't, I'm not subscribing to that, but I'm just saying that, you know, that standing up does involve your whole body. And I actually do sometimes visualize taking my actual head off my body and, and going for it. So, yeah, I think cool. I may have left it at home today, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we just got a text message from Alyssa, DJ Skookum's grand return. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm back. I'm back for all the honoraria and all the bannock I can have, and then I'm heading back to uh, my uh, my cubby hole down there by the oh, yeah. by the harbor. Yeah, yeah where nice. all the other uh, milk cool hang out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I got to listen to that interview with that you did with uh, Richard Wagamese. Yeah. And um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that you were able to get him to and interview him. Too bad he passed away. I'm kind of really excited about his new book that's coming out this fall. Right. Well, it was, it was Janet Rogers who, oh, I mean, Janet it? organized oh, okay. it, you know, oh, and she... Janet organized all of the, I mean, the phenomenal. And shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Janet. I was good. I'm, I'm, well, it's like a break in a second. I'm going to send a little shout out to her. But yeah, shout out. First of all, I should have started out. Shout out to, <laughs> uh, to DJ uh, uh, January uh, because, I mean, without her, we wouldn't literally be here for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, yeah, huge respect for her, and yeah, she's she's the one who co- who set up those interviews. And we also interviewed Joseph Boyden right before oh, cool. things went, you know, uh, went a uh, little when you know. And we did, I did try to yeah. ask him like, who are you and where are you from, and and he, and he dodged it. But yeah, 
Uh, yeah, with Wagamais, that was that was a really awesome thing. And the thing, the, the mm-hmm. unfortunate thing though is that um, well, it's not unfortunate. It's it's just a reality. He has so much work out there. Yeah, he's got at least ten books. Um, there's tons of material for for to read. Mm-hmm. This latest book he didn't complete. Yeah, I, yeah. I and I personally believe that it's actually too soon for this material to come out. I really question the ethics of oh, of wow. that actually coming out now, mm-hmm. and the purpose of it. And I, and I respect, you know, family, etc. What what their interests are, and 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 releasing it, and the offering that it is. Yeah. But I mean, this is someone who died writing it. Yeah. And uh, and it's it's still something that um, I'm not entirely sure that you know I I don't want to look at it at all um, for for some time uh, you know maybe may possibly never I don't know mm-hmm. um, but at the moment I'm definitely feeling like you know it's it's a little bit too soon yeah oh yeah um, and then I also just finished reading your um, Quill Inquiry yeah Quill cool Inquiry yeah Inquiry. Yeah. That you did little piece that you did for them, and I kind of, kind of almost had like a similar. It wasn't like a huge thing, but it was a similar thing. I know you wrote about a book that, or um, yeah. what somebody wrote about, like your community, mm-hmm. the Tanaka yeah. Nation. Yes. Um, I was reading that, and I was like, wait, I, me and my friend Ashley, we stumbled upon. We're cleaning out our um, our statesman room out in Husanich, our language. I guess office, yeah. And um, we came across this book that somebody has has written, and it's like all in English, and they have like non traditional native animals in it. Like I can't remember what animals are in it, but um, they use Sinshathan words in it, our language words. And then inside the book, there's like a little letter requesting that, asking if it's okay that she used the words in her book, even though it, it's kind of silly that she's asking, even though she already has like a physical copy of the book. Huh. In it, and then was the letter actually in, part of the book, or was no? It, it, was it was like a piece it was, of letter. It was, a, it, was, it, was, it was actually a piece of paper inside this. It was book. a piece of paper inside the book. Uh-huh. And we, me and my friend Ashley, we stumbled upon it, and we were like, "Oh, I wonder how long this has been here." And um, <laughs> it's kind of funny at the end of the letter too. It says, "Oh, this is where you can purchase the book if you want." Uh-huh. And we just kind of thought it was silly that she's using our language, right? And asked asking permission but telling us to like buy it too right um well people like to use our language and culture but they don't like to use our laws yeah and the and our our laws are pretty absolutely crystal clear when it comes to these sort of things and nothing you know the the, the stated principle nothing uh, with us without us uh consent is fundamental both mm-hmm. in human relationships in terms of you know how we relate to one another yeah. in terms of our sexuality in terms of how we you know you know uh, all sorts of things but and and especially when it comes to settler indigenous Relations, or even even intertribal, you know, relations. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about you know buying the fifty fifty or you know what <laughs> yeah. happens at the at the powwow. Yeah. I'm talking, you know, you know, say like with us, it's like shawakum and tunaka in relations and how we consent and agree on things. Um, and the the fact is that uh, in you know, non-indigenous people, settlers have PhDs in how to take these things, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just so shocked that there is actually any standard whatsoever of of consent. Yeah, and um, it's gross, it's violent, it's predictable, it's pathetic, and it's mm-hmm. hopefully going to the dustbin of history. But you know, there needs to be uh, reckoning uh, for these things. And yeah, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people just you know they think they they get away with it. And mm-hmm. it's uh, I mean, there's there's a good way to do it, and there's a and there and there are other ways to do it. Yeah, and uh, we know it in our heart what's true. Yeah. 
All right. Um, we're kind of getting close to the end of our time here. Okay. Am I being fired? <laughs> no, this happened fired. once before. I mean, I, I don't know <laughs> if I can go through this again here. Live on. Dang, man. I thought I was making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they'll ask you to come back after after today. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Once you're once you're gone out of here, man, I'm 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 I'm, I'm out. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, I just want to say hi, Shka, to Troy Sebastian for coming in. Yeah. Um, just a little secret. He was my first uh, live in, on air interview. So um, well done. It was, good, it was a good experience. Yeah, good job. I was really nervous coming in today, and I'm like, Ooh, this is gonna be my first live interview. And how? But, and yeah, how, thank you. It's been good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. And, um, I just want to say thank you for your little advice you sent me uh, in an email just to be myself and let the conversation flow and yeah. stuff. And, and, and uh, on your last day here, take the stationery. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, oh, we're going to go for coffee. Okay, no, I'm good. Just, you know, stapler, <laughs> you know, yeah. hole puncher, whatever. The, you know, an eight-track machine. Just boom. <laughs> yeah. In the bag. Out of here. Yeah. See you guys. I mean, actually, yeah, I share an office, so it would be kind of hard taking their stuff. But no, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Tomorrow, the, the, the door's open. You know, just go in there. It's yeah. This whole building, really, you know, there's little things here and there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I just want to say thank you, Heishka Troy, for your time. It's been great. Thank you, anything? too. I, well, I wanted to say thank you as well. I'm, <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure I came back uh, and, and to you know, just share some time here and to just be on your show and, this, and yeah. to thank you for keeping, you know, Indigenous programming here at, at UVic and, and uh, at CFUV. And for anyone listening, I mean, you and I are both examples of how anyone can really, you know, Indigenous people are welcome at this station. Yeah, yeah. You can create your own show. It can mm-hmm. be about whatever you want it to be about, yeah. you know, and that's that opportunity is so rare in Canadian society in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, so the, the the borders, you know, there really aren't that many borders here. There's Canadian content rules, but yeah, you yeah. know, but there's indigenous uh, yeah. principles that yeah. we're upholding here. So yeah, so yeah, it's been great. Like, yeah, I remember I requested you a few weeks ago, but I caught you just as you were going on vacation. So yes, yes. I was glad you were able to yeah come in today. Yeah, thank you. Right on. Great. You're listening to CFUV 101.9 FM, the voice of Victoria, online at cfuv.ca. Check out our new program schedule on our website to make sure you never miss your favorite CFUV shows. Did you miss last week's episode? Don't fret, because you can relive all the action online. CFUV 101.9 FM, the voice of Victoria. Right, so hi, Scott Troy, for coming in and for your time again. Uh, and then up next, I have some upcoming community events. And so for Wednesday, August 22nd, tomorrow at 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., we have the Sanchothan Dictionary Launch at the Sayout Gym. Squail at the Tasakhwing, the voice, uh, Voices of Our Elders. At 10 a.m., we'll have the opening and presentations. 12 p.m. is lunch, 1 p.m. the cultural ceremony and presentations, and um, for community members, like Spanish community members, I guess, um, the dictionary will be $50. For non-community members, it will be $100. Come celebrate with us. So I'm pretty excited for this day. Um, it's a huge thing for Spanish people to have our own Sanchathan language dictionary out. I will be there for the whole day. Thanks to CFUV for allowing me to attend this, this event. And for Thursday, August 23rd, from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., 
out in Pauquichin. We have the community barbecue at the Pauquichin Hall. Join us at the Pauquichin Hall for food, games, and activities for all ages. So that is for my Pauquichin people. If you're listening, go out and do that on Thursday. And Saturday, August 25th, from 7.30 p.m. due to 10.30 p.m., we have the Salish Sea Lantern Festival at Sydney's Beacon Park Banchell. The fourth annual Salish Sea Lantern Festival hosted by Artsy, featuring the Sanchothan Singers. Live music with Holly Artson and Kevin Wright. We'll have face painting, balloon twisting, bubbles, and a the show of extraordinary handmade creative lanterns. Suitable for children of all ages. So that is Saturday at 7.30 in Sydney there. If you're in the area, go check it out. It's a great thing. I went the last two years with the Sanchothan Immersion students. It's pretty cool that they get invited and they'll sing a couple songs there. And then I think, I don't know if they did it both the last summers, but they led, I know one year they led the, the march around Sydney. And so yeah, that was a pretty cool experience. And I'm um, excited to go to that, to that event too, just to, to be surrounded by the kids again and just to see all the immersion kids. And Wednesday, August 29th, from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., back at the Pauquichin, back in Pauquichin is the back-to-school barbecue at the Pauquichin Hall. Join us at the Pauquichin Hall for hot dogs, burgers, with all the fixings, games, activities. Start at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Please bring any gently used kids' clothes and school supplies that your children no longer use to exchange with other families. Uh, and that is, yeah, for again, for my Pauquichin people out there who are listening, that is... August 29th at 12 p.m. Back to School Barbecue. So it would be cool to see all the community come together for that. And that is all I have for community events right now. Like I said, I'm sorry. I'm still feeling a bit wheezy because of the smoke out there. But we got some good show for the next hour and a half. And I also want to let you know, like we got a text message this morning. Um, If you're listening and you want to maybe give some feedback on how we'll know radio was the, over the summer or anything else, you can text me at 250-721-8700. No, wait, is that it? <laughs> is that right? That's the only number I see here in our birth. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, text me um, any comments, um, any feedback on we'll know radio. Let me know how I did. <laughs> um it's it was a great summer yeah anyways up next i have a interview with bianca elliott tiffany joseph and sarah jim they do work with sea change and do a lot of plant restoration work and here's the interview with them right now tiffany joseph then it's not selecting satanich et scopmish hallucin et jatlasp et lungs chasing la uh sneet I said, my name's Tiffany Joseph. I am Chseitnich and Skopmish. I live in Chjatlasp, which is anglicized into Sartlip, and I work in Sngeetkwith. I do restoration work there, and I've done restoration work at other places. I, I've learned Sinchothan since 2015, and there's a lot of opportunities that come up with Sinchothan language and cultural revitalization. My name is Sarah Jim. I'm from Sycom First Nation in the Husanich Territory. I am an artist and I do environmental restoration with Sea Change. 
My name's Bianca Elliott. I'm from Sartlip on my dad's side, and I'm from um, Songhees Lekwungen Nation on my mother's side. I've spent a lot of time over the last eight years doing land-based work with Sea Change and with other organizations. Um, I'm super passionate about using um, plants as food and medicine, so that's something that I do a lot with the Sneak With Resiliency Project and also with Project Reclaim, which is a youth food justice project. What is Sea Change and what is it you guys, what is the work you guys do with them? Uh, My understanding of what Sea Change is, is they have spent a lot of time restoring what is known in English as Todd Inlet. We refer to that place as Ngitgwith, and there's actually a creek there called Huachacha. It's uh, a waterway that experienced a lot of pollution due to the colonization of the land there. So... What they had done was start working to restore that. And the reason we do land restoration is because that's a really effective way of having a good impact on the water. But perhaps Sarah or Bianca can have a bit more of an explanation to add to that. So to begin, I'll start with a little bit of a history lesson. So sea change is essentially physically decolonizing Sneedquith. So... About 100 years ago, a cement plant came to the inlet and depleted the area of its resources and kind of destroyed the ecosystem. So 100 years later, we're still kind of cleaning it up. We find a lot of debris like cement and metal and everything from that era. And since then, a lot of invasive species have taken over. So what we do is take those out like blackberry or Himalayan blackberry, English ivy and other random plants that float over from butch art. And what we do after taking the invasive species out is we try to plant native plants to restore the native ecosystem. And we use these native plants for foods and medicines. I just want to add that the reason that we work there is because Sneakwith, which translates to Place of the Blue Grouse, is the first village site of the Kusanich people. So it's culturally significant. We've never unoccupied those lands. We've always continued to use them. And it's also the place of our creation story. So um, it's really sacred. And a lot of the work that Sea Change does in Sneakwith is around education and outreach. So that's a big aspect of the work that Sea Change does around marine restoration, including eelgrass restoration, which is really important for, I think, over 90% of sea life to exist in, in eelgrass meadow. And then the land restoration component. And those two things that kind of like tie into like a lot of good work that sea change does and the project itself is to build capacity for Kusanich people to take over land stewardship of that area and basically like reclaim that area through restorative work. To add to what Bianca and Sarah have said so when Bianca said the project the project that the three of us and three other Kusanich youth that are a part of is called Sneakwith Resiliency Project. And um, so Sneakwith Resiliency Project is is a part of Sea Change, but Sea Change as an organization has, ever since I've met people from Sea Change, have been saying we want to be able to give this work back to the Kusanich community. So with that awareness, with that desire, becomes the awareness that there needs to be capacity building. So that's what this project is 
really about and i think it's something they've been doing for years but this year uh, this year there's a lot more people involved with sarah and graham and jared and patrick coming on and being involved i've been involved with sea change the first time i became involved with sea change is that i showed up to their agm their annual general meeting and i just had like a question and nikki wright was like do you want to be on the board and i was like uh, okay okay but can I also ask a question (laughs) so like that's how I became involved they're very inviting people and for me as somebody who is Satanich working with an organization that has that desire to who don't want to basically own our land (laughs) is really important was really important to me and taking care of the land is really and the water is really important to me so I felt really good knowing that there's an organization that could help with that. And since my involvement of doing land restoration and becoming more involved and educated, I should say, at this point, I would say I'm more educated in like concepts of like food sovereignty. It's really opened up a broader network of people who seem to be supportive of Satanich people and other local indigenous communities to reclaim our role as land stewards. I know you guys do work with like restoring the site and pulling out invasive plants. Can you guys maybe let us know what kind of invasive plants there is at Sneakwith and maybe what it does to the native traditional plants? So because I mentioned there was a cement plant at Sneakwith, there was a whole community of people living there. So there was houses and it was kind of like a colonized village at the time so when you move into a house you kind of plant a garden or your favorite herbs so there's a lot of random herbs like lemon balm and mint and there's a lot of fruit trees from that time because people were kind of trying to sustain themselves and along with that there's a lot of invasive himalayan blackberry english ivy broadleaf pea vine and I also mentioned that seeds from butch art fly over and plant themselves. So it's kind of a huge mess of invasive species. And they're considered invasive because they just invade. They take over. They'll just smother any plant that's in their way. So what we try to do is take those out so the native plants have a chance to thrive. Just to add to what Sarah said, that they kind of take over. They're taking up space in an ecosystem that has existed basically since time immemorial. And that ecosystem is our indigenous food system. So prior to European contact, like the ecosystem was intact and it worked and it supported all of the life that evolved there, including bees and butterflies and all of the animals and us humans. So it's disrupted that entire ecosystem. So when we take the invasive plants out and we're putting the plants that belong there, we're helping to support that ecosystem to be healthy and also to sustain us in a way that's healthy. To add to the commentary sneakwith as we've mentioned it translates into the place of blue grouse however there are no blue grouse there and it's very interesting to me because sneakwith is a, vi- a village very close to where i live now and when i was growing up in humalchstin which is capilano reserve in north vancouver there's a mountain literally called grouse mountain and both of these places no longer have grouse grouse itself is an indicator of a very healthy habitat so the 
disappearance of grouse from these places, well, specifically from Sneakwith, means that pollution that happened to the land and the water means that place is no longer healthy. So, you know, I think it might be a dream of mine and perhaps others that it could be a healthy enough place that grouse could would be drawn to live there again. So the way that blackberry smothers out other plants is that it roots pretty deeply and the only way to remove it is to take take out the root from the very bottom of it, like as deep as it goes. Also, it basically because it makes itself so big and vast, it allows no light for other plants to exist. And also because they're so sharp and so thick, like it, it, it grows thickly, so plants can't grow through it. I shouldn't say they can't. Things like flowers definitely can't, but trees manage to make their way through it, but then it's like fighting for its life. So if we remove that blackberry, a lot of plants don't have to fight for their life anymore. Same with like English ivy, you know, trees can be taken down by English ivy. Morning glory is also prevalent in the space. So morning glory... Oh my god, it I almost find it's worse than English ivy. I'm like I was growing a little maple tree in my yard and it was just twirling right around it. I was like, "Why are you doing that? Like it, this is just a baby tree. Why are you doing this, morning glory?" So, like the, removing I always feel like when I'm removing, especially if you get a root a big huge blackberry root, removing the roots of these invasive plants feels very much like removing the roots of colonization. And then to add about pollinators, pollinators include, and I might miss a few, bees, birds, like hummingbirds are a pretty popularly known one, beetles, flies are even pollinators. They need a diverse amount of plants to pollinate and collect nectar. So the honeybee is the most popular bee. However, that is also an invader. There were no honeybees on this continent prior to the arrival of people from Europe. There are native bumblebees and they are at risk. There is a species at risk of the native bumblebee and there are solitary bees. So solitary bees, they make nests in the ground. They make nests in holes in like stumps and stuff like that. And they also make nests in plant stalks. So the ones that make nests in plant stalks would be actually really tiny bees and they're so cute. So we need to create or support the habitat. So a lot of times people, you know, they remove nettle from their yards. That's like such a popular thing. And whenever I bring up nettle, people always have like a traumatized experience. Like, oh, when I was a kid, I stepped on nettle and it hurts so bad. I'm like, it's, it's an, it's a very rich plant. And not only is it rich, like in nutrients and us consuming it, it's a really great host for butterflies, which are another pollinator. And it could be a good nesting place for bees. So it's very interesting people's visceral reaction to the pain of stinging nettle, yet it's such, it's so rich in nutrients and it's a really great home or support for different butterfly, different pollinators. So the pollinators need the diverse nectars of different flowers especially indigenous plants. So it's just like human beings. For us as indigenous people, flour, gluten, these things were not in our diet. And so now that it's in our diet, we experience a lot of things like um, heart disease or diabetes. These are things that impact our, our health. So the meeting the needs for pollinators 
um, in terms of plant diversity for nectar and pollination. It meets our needs as indigenous people in the food that we need to consume for our own health. Um, it also meets the needs of the land and the water for it to heal itself as well. It's all connected. We are an ecosystem. As Satanish people, we are part of the ecosystem. So restoring the ecosystem restores ourself and our ability to thrive as well as the pollinators and hopefully the return of the grouse. There was one thing I wanted to add and I'm just trying to think. Ants pollinate trilliums. It's just a fun fact. <laughs> I remember now. Um, there's a few plants that are hosts. So Saskatoon berry I've learned um, is a host for a, spe- a specific kind of beetle. Ocean spray is a host to a lot of butterflies so when we are restoring those we're also restoring homes for the pollinators and that was all i wanted to add i know you guys uh go to sneak with to restore like native and traditional plants but they're not just plants i know some of them can be medicines or used for other traditional ways but yeah what are the plants that you guys are saving restoring restoring yeah yeah some of the things that we've planted, um, a lot of times these are kind of tests because we, we're not entirely sure what will grow and thrive in the space because there actually are so many non-Indigenous plants present. Um, for example, I'm creating a pollinator plant and I'm like, there's tons of bees here pollinating these black flowers. What am I going to replace here? And it's hard to find a lot of diverse plant diversity in terms of flowers in Sngeetquist right now. So what we're doing is quite experimental in trying to discover, okay, what can grow and thrive here now? Because even what could have grown and thrived there 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and prior to contact, it's very different because of uh, global warming and climate change. But we have planted huckleberry. We've planted a lot of alder maple trees mostly plant uh, plants that will be trees snowberry um, snowberry fun fact is like the third favorite plant to pollinate for pollinators in the victoria area and camas common camas and tall camas are the two most favorite judith arney is the lead on restoration there and i think feel like as a team we all have different approaches to restoration and from my understanding and from my kind of viewpoint is that Judith uses a restoration technique of putting in species that would normally grow after being disturbed so things like alder and maples are planted there to create canopy and to give shade so yeah so species like blackberry will be shaded out so there's less chance of um, invasive species growing in those areas and then when the leaves fall down they actually add to the healthiness of the soil so it's kind of like a natural restoration over time and there isn't a lot of like high diversity of plants going in right now but it's just because we're creating canopy and shade and the nutrients needed to amend the soil there. What does a, like a typical restoration day or what does like the process of removing invasive species, like what does that day, I guess, look like? Just so people know maybe who will one day be wa- walking and sneak with and they like come across you guys. So it's pretty straightforward what we do. We are physically on site digging out roots of blackberries and all the other plants that we named. 
And in the fall or when it's a good time to plant, we... And when it's time to plant, we go to the Papakin Hayout at the tribal school, and we pick up baby plants to to plant at the site. So yeah, it's actually pretty physically demanding because we are physically shoveling out the invasive species, but it's also very rewarding. Most of the time, there's cookies involved. <laughs> so the volunteer days are every other Saturday. We don't have volunteer days in the summertime just because historically people go on vacation. So getting people to come out is a challenge. And also it's just really hot. But um, usually they're every other Saturday, 10 to 2, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So that's four hours. Um, we're not going to like hold you hostage to stay the whole four hours. But we usually, yeah, after a couple hours, have a break, have coffee or tea Usually there's like a guarantee that there'll be honey. Usually there's cookies, but sometimes to the dismay of Judith Arney, there's not cookies and there's other types of snacks. And people are also welcome to bring some to share. Is there anything you guys maybe want to add or anything else you want to say to the listeners? Like any other informational stuff or just anything else? I just wanted to close out saying that thank you for having us in, but also like I'm really grateful for this experience because it's allowed me to meet other Satanish people and deepen relationships with other Satanish people and youth who are interested in the land restoration. It's something that I've been very keen to do since I was pretty young, but there didn't always seem like there's opportunities and now it seems like there's more opportunities and it's really great seeing people from my community who are interested, who are also keen. And that has really been really good for like my, my soul, my spirit to be like, okay, yes, I'm not, I'm not in this alone. And there's people from my community who really want to do this. I'm just going to elaborate on what Tiffany said, because I have a lot of the same feelings. I was really welcomed to the team at Sea Change, and I'm really grateful for that. And I've learned so much from like-minded and inspiring people like Bianca and Tiffany and everyone else. And this project has made me feel more connected to the land, these people, my culture, our culture. And I was pleasantly surprised to be hired as one of the workers for Sea Change because it's been such an amazing experience. Uh, I think it's really important for all people who use that area to recognize that it's Kusanich territory and that it's still being used by Kusanich people. We do a lot of cultural activities there, and my hope is that as this project moves forward and as other things move forward in Sneakwit, people will become more aware of the land occupation by the Kusanich people. We had a, a pit cook there, and it was a good learning opportunity for visitors to see like food and culture there from the first peoples and um, i hope there's a way in the future for us to work in allyship to restore the land there because it's so sacred and sneak with has touched the hearts of a lot of people including myself hi chika thank you for having us Tuning 
Tuning in on the radio dial isn't the only way to listen to CFUV. You can stream our programs online, listen to the live stream on the web, or even catch last week's episodes of whichever program you missed. Check out our website at cfuv.ca. Hello, everyone. I'm from your telephone company. We know that dial telephones are easy to use. However, mistakes in dialing do occur and can cause someone else to be inconvenienced and probably irritated. Don't sweat that phone etiquette. Shoot us a text instead at 250-721-8700. All right. So how did you guys like the first hour of Will Know Radio? Good to have Troy, Sebastian... Bianca, Tiffany, and Sarah on. I know uh, my time with Troy went by really fast. Like I said, that was my first live interview with my other, all my other interviews. Um, we were in the studio and we also were able to converse, have a conversation after, <laughs> after we're done or like the interview is longer. And then with editing, it shortened down. But um, yeah, it was quick. I was happy he's here and I'm happy Bianca. Tiffany and Sarah were here, and they'll be, or Bianca and Tiffany will be back. Um, I'll, oh, wait, actually, I have to reintroduce you guys to Cool Enough Radio for the 11 o'clock hour. Hi, it's Koi Jonas It's Nick here, and you're listening to Wilnoch Radio on CFUV 101.9 FM. Within the hour, you will hear percentage voices, songs, stories, and art. Violence comes in many forms and can impact each of us in very different ways. If you think you may have experienced violence, are supporting a friend, or worried you may have done something that wasn't consensual, the Anti-Violence Project wants you to know that we're here for you. All of our support services are confidential and available to anyone. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building, room B027, and we have a comfy support space across the hall with couches, crafts, and books. Drop by, check out our website, or give us a call at 250-472-4388. So yeah, welcome to the second hour of Full Enough Radio. Um, this hour, I will have, yeah, t- like I said, Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany and Binka back. And then the second half hour, I want to give a special shout out to some people. So, and shout out to this person <laughs> who texts me. Um, I know it's one of my Shechas because I see they have the Sanchasan font. I and Shay, which translates to good job, Nick. And um, thank you. Shout out to you for texting me. Thank you. So again, if you want to text me, maybe give some feedback, um, you can text the station here at 250-721-8700. I'll shout you out and interact with you. But yeah, right now I have Bianca and Tiffany again. Uh, I'm asking them questions about the Project Reclaim, what that is and what they do with Project Reclaim, and here they are. So what is Project Reclaim, or what does, what? yeah, what is Project Reclaim? Project Reclaim is a youth-led initiative based out of the Sartlib community. It kind of started with myself looking at 
what the needs are in our community. And there's a big gap in youth programming. And personally, as a youth growing up, I found that like I had moments where I felt lost and disconnected from my culture. And to me, my healing was through culture and through the land and through our Kwasanich teachings. So yeah, I felt really drawn toward bringing those things in an accessible way to youth in our Kwasanich communities. What inspired you to start it or what made you want to get started with Project Reclaim? I think a lot of my work that I've done with Sea Change and other things like my mom, who is very inspiring to me and knows a lot about herbology, kind of drew me towards using food and native plants as medicine and kind of making those connections between youth learning about those things through a cultural lens and also um, just looking around at the Sartlip community and seeing that like our public spaces aren't being taken care of in a way that they should be taken care of and bringing our indigenous foods and medicines into those areas with youth leading it um, and elders and other community people mentoring us to do that work. I think it's really important for youth to have opportunities because youth are really capable and when they're given those opportunities I think that sets kind of the tone for the way that they go forward um, in whatever direction they go so that's kind of how I got inspired to do it and start it mostly from my culture and my family and my own way that I was healing at the time. Tiffany what inspired you to get started with Project Reclaim? I first kind of became involved with Project Reclaim because I saw people posting about Bianca, Bianca's workshops. I don't think we were even friends yet on social media, but I was like, that seems really cool. Those are really cool workshops. They were sexual health based, but it was also, yeah, connecting with land and cleaning up the land. And I was like, I do those things. I want to do those things in Kuchasasp. And so I would message Bianca and be like, oh, I really want to do that. I really want to go. And... It took a little while, but I finally managed to go. And I think the first workshop I went to was one of the consent workshops. And it was just a really inspiring to see so many youth there, like my younger cousins, basically being present and having some really cool conversation and just kind of like having fun really with other people in community, youth that I wouldn't normally be able to connect with because our paths just didn't happen across except for, you know, driving down La Tess and giving a wave. How long has Project Reclaim been running or when did you start it? Um, it's been uh, just over one year now and it kind of started a little bit before that. I uh, went around in the community and I had this project plan for um, basically youth to learn about land restoration, but also learn about cultural things through mentorship. And um, I had listed a number of sites in Sartlip that we could be working at. And it took me several months of waving this little proposal around before things got off the ground. And yeah, shortly after I had been asking people for support, somebody from the sexual, the Victoria Sexual Assault Center asked if I had any ideas for a youth food justice project and the timing just seemed right and we were able to uh, work together to bring Project Reclaim to life. It's kind of very interesting I think you know intention is really important so I think a shared intention that Bianca and I have is um, helping our people heal from 
a lot of trauma that we've experienced due to colonization. So while Bianca was doing that, I was doing healing through a program called Bridges for Women. And I'm very aware that people in our community have been doing a lot of revitalization for language revitalization and our fiber revitalization. So weaving with wool and weaving with cedar, those are things that were very based in women's roles within our community, culturally speaking, through generations. And, you know, I was like, what else can we bring back even stronger? Because there's people who carry knowledge and we need to be able to connect with these people while they're here, while they have those really far back going ancestral ties to this knowledge. What is something else that we can help support bringing back? And I was like, oh, like our food, of course. We have a lot of health concerns within our community and that comes from uh, the disruption of women's roles in our community but also our food and a lot of the food care was done by women but people of all genders really. I think what's beautiful beautiful about Satanish culture is that we didn't really strongly enforce gender you know things I've heard elders in my community from Tom Sampson to John Elliott say is that everyone knew how to do everything we knew how to, you know, prepare food, cook food, hunt. There might have been some rules that were encouraged based on gender, but everyone knew how to do everything because you never would really know when that person could be away for a period of time for whatever reason. So you needed to be able to do everything. And so I shared this idea with my facilitator at the time. Her name was Chowanis. And I was like, we really need to encourage or make more space for our people connecting to our food and connecting to land like that's where a lot of our healing can come from and so chawanis i was like take this wherever you go <laughs> like spread this idea wherever you go and she actually connected with the victoria sexual assault center so it's kind of like you know our intentions of like this is something we need more space for and more awareness being created for youth in our community and that kind of connection happened through our intentions. And so when Bianca was doing what she was doing and I was, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what our people need. I was inspired to be involved because I wanted to support somebody who's doing really basically powerful work within our community. And the thing is, is that for generations, it's like, I guess you could say from time immemorial, it's been the women that really guide what happens within our Satanish communities. Those are the people we often turn to for knowledge, for guidance. So it's I find it's really important to support what a lot of people are calling like the matriarchs within our community. That's a part of why I got involved as well is like support women who are making change because I find that when I've looked at women throughout my Satanish community and my Skhotmish community, people really hold women up but what people I feel haven't recognized is like you can't just hold them up you have to like verbally you have to hold them up through action and being there and supporting so that is something that I do my best to uphold and that's what drew me to Project Reclaim as well. What kind of activities or and or workshops does Project Reclaim do? 
There are several ways that um, we've basically been running activities. The one way that we connect to youth is through workshop-based learning and also to the greater community is through workshop-based learning. So a lot of it is seasonal um, and depending on which different plants are in season or what kind of activities we should be doing on the land. So it's very seasonal that way. And uh, we also have two different consent workshops um, and we've really integrated like this concept that is also spoken of by the Native Youth Sexual Health Network and um, the quote is basically violence on land is violence on bodies. So we've tried to share this concept with youth in a way that felt good for the youth who are actually on the team. So we have one workshop where we basically look at what makes us Saanich people and one of those things is our strong ancestral connection to land, body, water. And then we look at the way that colonization disrupts us basically from being Saanich people and how that kind of shows as violence on Indigenous people in Canada. So uh, that's one kind of main workshop that uh, we've had with youth where a lot of cool discussion has come up and we always integrate an activity with an Indigenous food or medicine when we do our consent workshops. And um, the second kind of special workshop that we've been doing is another consent workshop where we look at kind of like consent in relationships and that's been a bit more challenging to kind of integrate into our activities and I think we're finding that consent in our Indigenous communities looks different than consent in a settler community. So yeah, that's one of the kind of challenges we've had. And then the other thing that we do is actually being on the ground and doing restoration work. So that's kind of part of our resistance to violence and also like reclamation of our spaces. And so we're working at a playground where we're taking out invasive species and planting Indigenous foods and medicines. So it's hopefully in the next couple of years going to be like a site where people can walk through and see lots of different plants and harvest from those areas. An expansion of like how some involvement I've had with Project Reclaim. This wasn't quite a workshop, but it was, uh, we did a live video together. So Bianca was like, oh, do you want to come and do this live video with myself and Addie? And I said, yeah, sure. So that was one way we wanted to try and connect with youth or the greater community, or sorry, connect with the community was through accessing social media. And we talked about consent on Facebook Live. Another workshop that we did was with Eli Hurdle and a couple other folks that Eli brought in and Dania Erasmus. Dania helped organize this, which was doing some videos so that youth could learn how to upload videos to YouTube. So one of the youth told a story about Chinit. Um, I think they called it Sunaqua though, right? So Chani is the Sinchathan way of talking about the wild woman, the wild woman who basically would take children who didn't listen to their parents and would stay out too late and she'd put them in their basket. And so they made a film based off the, the story of Chani, but their own twist. Chaz was in that video too. And there was another youth who, uh, Megan did a video on lacrosse. So... I guess what we learned from that was that um, sports is still really important within our Satanish community, giving youth a place to gain confidence and still feeling connected to culture. What I've been told about lacrosse is that, you know, I've learned of it, of its Haudenosaunee roots, but I've heard Satanish and Skhotmish elders say we had lacrosse too. We just kind of were reminded of it, I guess, through the it coming from back east. 
Do you guys have any workshops or any activities coming up in any of the communities? We'll be kind of integrating our activities into curriculum at Stelly's High School. So um, we might be less public focused and more focused on connecting with youth in high schools for the next year. Uh, we don't have any workshops coming up that are open to the public, um, but we do have regular volunteer days that will be starting up in September. Um, we have a website, it's projectreclaimyouth.com, and we have a Facebook group as well and a Facebook page. The page is easy to find, it's Project Reclaim Community. So we always post our activities either on our website or Facebook or our Instagram, which is project.reclaim. Yeah, is there anything else you guys want to say about Project Reclaim or anything you want to add to maybe some of the questions I asked or um, if there's any youth in Victoria that are listening to this we'd love for you to be involved we're looking for youth to join our team for the upcoming year if you're self-identifying indigenous please give us a shout through email or through our website and if you'd like to volunteer, please don't be afraid to ask questions or to join us. We're super welcoming to everybody. I just wanted to share that a part of what Project Reclaim has been doing has been removing invasive plants. And I've been doing invasive plant removal through Sea Change and other volunteering with other nonprofits on the peninsula, the Saanich Peninsula, Saanich. And the thing about doing that invasive plant removal it what i think people can experience through that is through connection to land but through the connection to the plants and understanding that especially if you look at ivy or blackberry or scotch broom what ivy does as an invasive plant is choke out the life any life around it so that it only it can survive and blackberry it takes up so much space root wise but also light wise so that it's very hard for any other plants to live where where blackberries live and scotch broom is a plant that proliferates like if you look at the flowers themselves and the seed pods like they it spreads really voraciously I want to say but I don't even know that's the right word but aggressively scotch broom spreads quite aggressively and one of the the things it does is change the soil so when we're removing invasive plants it's because these invasive plants choke out other life and they also change conditions so that only it can survive but when we are planting native plants there's usually like relatives for lack of a better word that these plants relate to and these plants are also medicinal and that experience of removing invasive plants but also planting indigenous plants is really a decolonial act it's a way that you can connect to land and experience decolonization so i think that's one of the most beautiful things restoration work has given me and why and what I enjoy about being involved in Project Reclaim because it, I can feel like I'm connecting to the land and also helping our Elanganuk, our village, our ecosystem restore back to the way it always intended to be. And it makes the land healthier, but it can also over time help our people become healthier as well by being a, a really valuable food system once again. Where is Project Reclaim run out of or what community do you do your work in or some of the locations? 
Uh, we're mostly based out of Sartlip, so we're lucky enough that the Sartlip Health Center is supporting us with shared office space. We have two different sites in the Sartlip community. Um, right in front of the Sartlip Health Center, we are starting to plant a pollinator garden. So there's a number of um, pollinator species that are there. We'll be planting intensively there this fall. So next spring, we'll have lots of stuff blooming there. And then our second site is at the playground on Halamitsa Road, which is just up the road from the health center. So we're very based out of Sartlip, but a lot of the workshops we do are South Island. So we've done workshops in Beecher Bay with the Beecher Bay Youth Group. And we've done workshops in Sayout. And we've done workshops at Stelly's High School. And then we've also done like different activities kind of um, all throughout Victoria. And then is it just the two of you or who else? Is there um, more team members Project Reclaim or how many is there? Um, We started as a team of two youth from Sartlip. Myself, I'm also from Sartlip. And then we had two support staff from the Victoria Sexual Assault Center who are still working with us. And we've changed a little bit over time. We've had Tiffany join us and we've had another woman named Dania Erasmus, um, who is a big part of helping with Project Reclaim activities this year. And a proud moment, she's actually taken one of our workshops to her home in Yellowknife and is adapting it and creating a mural project from it so yeah shout out to dania (laughs) i just felt it was really important to like acknowledge her and the work that she did she seemed like a really good support for bianca and it was really she was a very lovely person so yeah just shout out to dania (laughs) yeah and uh thanks again tiffany and bianca um i don't know if you kind of recognize that name project reclaim i shared a few of their events throughout the summer that they did in our kusenich community so yeah and then that's um oh shout out to alice again she texted me before and now she says hi shka great interview um thanks alice hi shka hi shka see i'm really glad you enjoyed the interview and some upcoming community events i have here is Kind of for the very first few days of September, but I thought I'd let you all know that it's happening. Sunday, September 2nd at 9 a.m. Paddle for Lil Toss. Lil Toss. Huh? Right. And the Salish Sea at Tichung. Cordova Spit in Sayout First Nation. Join the community Paddle Around Lil Toss, which is James Island, to support the Sayout First Nation's claim to treaty lands the paddle is followed by a community community feast at the sayout gym all are welcome sign up at turningthetide.ca and uh, september 7th to 9th is the coxila music festival at providence farm out in cowitson territory celebrating cultural resurgence 30 plus artists including snotty nose res kids old soul rebel Mob Bounce, Desiree Dawson, Fraz, Sea Monsters, Uschitala, Takea Blaney, anyway, I'm not going to, and more. Workshops and speakers from the front lines of Indigenous resistance. Uh, the weekend passes are $95. Full lineup and details at Festival.com which is K-O-K-S-I-L-A 
cooksilentfestival.com. Uh, Cook Island Music Festival is organized in recognition and celebration of the sovereignty and resiliency of indigenous nations throughout BC. Cook Island's intention is to highlight the perspectives of indigenous musicians, artists, activists, and knowledge keepers. We are partnered with Cowitzen elders and traditional leaders to ensure that this festival gathering reflects proper protocols and is accessible to the local indigenous community. All festival proceeds will be donated to grassroots initiatives led by the indigenous people asserting sovereignty with over their ancestral territories. Funds will be split between the Sohuen Kautzen Elders Program, Anikola Warriors, and Stand With Us to Cleanse Our, wo- our Waters, and the Unisotan Camp. Um, these groups are working with working tirelessly to reoccupy and protect their traditional lands and waters, revitalize their cultural practices, and reconnect people with their land. So that is all I have for community events. So yeah, if you have time, they are yeah in September. That's very righteous. Funky C, Funky D will be back to lip sync another one of their hits right after this. Hey kids, why sit in front of the TV when you can be on the radio? Do you want to be on the radio? CFUV offers opportunities for UVic students and Victoria community members to gain broadcast and production experience. Our training is designed to be accessible to volunteers of all backgrounds and skill levels. Visit CFUV.ca and click Volunteer to complete an application to get involved. I'm Joe Vipon, and you can listen every Tuesday morning from 8 till 10 for a mix of folk music from around the world on the Old Joani Folk Show on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. And oh, sorry. And yeah, so and shout out to Sarah, Jim. She was a guest um, in the first hour of Full Enough Radio today, and she was a guest before. She texts me, says, "Good job, Nick. The show was awesome. It's great to hear indigenous indigenous voices, music, and perspectives." So thanks, Sarah. Shout out to you. And um, yeah, I guess that this time right now, I kind of. I want to do some shout outs and many, many haishkas. Thank yous to everyone. Can you believe Hulnof Radio has had 28 guests through in these seven weeks? Crazy little old me got <laughs> that many people um, and they gave their all their time. And right now I'm going to list them all. So these are Hulnof Radio guests. Haishka CEM to Nate Harris, Katia Olson, Cadence Wilson, Jesse Campbell, Sarah Jim, Eli Hurdle. Lindsay Delaronde, Dominique James, Josephine Henry, Kiona Bob, Larry Lee Sam, Grace Blackwood, Jeremy Bartleman, Kaya Wilson James, Kalia Sampson, The Elia Elliott, Romaine Underwood Jr., Syston Elliott, Uriah Williams, William Morris Jr., Jason Henry, Shirley Lang, Shar Wilson, Stephanie McMahon, Jacqueline Jim, Tiffany Joseph, Bianca Elliott, and Troy Sebastian. So, 
<laughs> that's my little round of applause. Thanks, guys, for all your time throughout the summer, and thanks for being a part of this. Um, yeah, thanks for contributing all this Indigenous content. Um, I'm glad listeners were able to hear you guys. And um, yeah, thanks to like uh, Sarah, Jim, Jacqueline, Jim, Katia Olson. Thanks for lending your voices to more than one episode. It's great. And um, special thanks to Sarah, Jim. She's the one that created the Will No Radio logo that you see on CFUV social media or the CFUV podcast website. Uh, Sarah, Jim's the one that created that. Um, and it's really great. Um, I'm glad that I was able to have a poster of it. Um, it's great. I also want to do a special thank you to Inhaishka to the CFUV, amazing CFUV staff here that helped run the station. Um, they've all, the four of them have been <laughs> uh, great teachers and great, I don't know, I guess mentors. <laughs> um, like Melinda, she's our staff, or no, she's our station manager. She's really, she's really great. Um, I know there's a little bit of a hard time I was going through in the summer when I was like, oh crap, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't have any content right now. And um, she reassured me that it's fine. It's um, all right. Everything will work out. Um, she's doing a great job running the station. Katie, she is our program director. Um, she's been... Um, Katie is amazing. Sorry. Um, she, er, Katie is uh, my office roomie. We kind of share an office. Our desks were right beside each other. So every time I'd have guests on, or no, I'd have guests on, I'd type up my questions and I'd ask Katie. I'm like, I'd show and ask if those were good questions. I'd let her know who's coming, what they do and all that. And then I'd show the questions and Katie would, it was like, great. Yeah, that's um, awesome questions. And um, yeah, Katie was also really excited when I brought, had interviewed the children of the Lanongat school out um, because uh, we don't get much children on any of our programs here. So Katie was really excited about that. And a little fun fact, um, Katie also kind of came in with me into the on-air booth, one of my first few on-air sessions at the beginning of the summer. I was like so nervous. I was like, oh crap, I'm going live. People are gonna be hearing me. But I asked Katie if she can come in with me just to kind of stand there and shadow me and make sure I'm doing everything correctly. And um, so yeah, I wanna say hi to Katie. And um, yeah, it was very comforting knowing that you were there monitoring me and making sure Helping me get set up for my show every hour, or the first few hour, or the first few episodes at the beginning of every hour. So Heishka Katie and Heishka to Troy. He is our music director here at CFUV. Uh, we didn't really get to work too closely together, but um, this past, I guess, week we did. I kind of reached out to some artists and I asked him if it was all right that we kind of get music sent to us, and um, he's been great help. Um, I remember that one day it was just the two of us running the station uh, here. And um, I think that was one of the first times I kind of came in to do my show without Katie. <laughs> and I was like so nervous. I was like, oh crap, okay, I got to do this by myself. Um, but yeah, Heishka to, yeah, the CFUV staff. Um, and, um, oh, nope, I almost forgot one. Alyssa, she, she is our operations director. She's the one that trains everybody here at CFUV who hosts the show. Uh, 
she is an amazing teacher. Um, thanks for all your kind words and I guess compliments. She kind of shared with me that we went through the training process really quickly at the beginning. And yeah, she's a really great teacher and very great person to talk with. And um, yeah, so everybody involved, the CFPB staff. Oh, and um, <laughs> sorry, I'm like, um, I want to do a shout out to all the volunteers who do a show here um, at CFUV. Um, it's been great getting to know you guys coming in and out of the studio while I'm here in my working in my office. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been great. It really means a lot for all the guests, the staff here, the volunteers. You guys kind of helped uh, a kid from the res his dream come true with um, doing this radio show. Um, yeah, it's it, yeah, it's been a dream. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I almost, um, oh, and I want to shout out to, um, Chawinas and Lacey. They're the ones that showed me the job posting for the indigenous, indigenous media producer here. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have known about this job. I wouldn't have applied. Um, and yeah, um, it's been an amazing summer. I was glad so honored and happy to be the indigenous voice for CFUV for the summer. Um, yeah, it's been great. I hope you all enjoyed the content. The episodes will be on our podcast websites forever, I'm told. <laughs> so if you ever miss an episode or if you want to go back, um, you can go back and listen at CFUVpodcast.com or search CFUV on SoundCloud and go to the Hulno Radio playlist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> kind of getting lost for words. Um, uh, yeah, I almost, um, I was telling the staff here, I almost didn't apply for this position because I was so nervous. I had no broadcasting experience. Um, and yeah, I was just really nervous to be hosting a show. And um, I applied like the last, um, I sent my resume and cover letter in last, 20 minutes or 20 minutes before the deadline. Um, I remember it was like at midnight or something. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And oh, I got a new text message. Shout out to whoever this is. <laughs> Job well done, Nick. You sound great. Troy also sounded great too. So hi, Shka. Thanks for your text message. Um, and guess what? That is it for Hulno Radio. Um, yeah, it's been amazing coming up with the show, the content, choosing the music. Um, oh, that, that last text message was Troy. <laughs> Troy. Yeah, thanks. Hi, But yeah, the summer has been amazing. And that is a wrap for Hulno Radio. Who knows? Maybe I'll come back once school settled in and maybe do a show once a month. I don't know. I have to see how my school schedule is come September. 